So today we are having a new life service. We're having a baptism service today. There's a, several people that have just had an uh, incredible moment with God and chosen to follow him. And today they're going to make that, that public. They're going to uh, come forward before all their friends and their family and make their relationship with Jesus known in public. And it's just an amazing thing. And today are the days that I live for. These are the reasons why we pray the way we pray, reasons why we, we do what we do uh, so that people can come to know the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And today we get to celebrate that. So it really doesn't matter what I preach about. It doesn't matter whether I'm on it or I'm off of it or if I, I'm just horrible today because at the end of this thing, we get to stand and watch God save somebody's life and celebrate with them. And that's what we are here for. Uh, you know, I mean, and, and the mission, the mission, and we always forget the mission. The mission was lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, go into all the world, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And anytime you get to take part in doing that, then the ball is in the end zone and we can celebrate. Does that make sense? It's an awesome thing. It's something you better wake up. We're excited. The music's loud. We're pumped. We're ready to be here. I hope you are too. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to Ephesians uh, chapter 2 verse 8 and hang out there just, just for a few minutes. Uh, and, I, and I want, I want to, uh, I, I just want to take a step back and I want to remind us just the concept of this series. Uh, just the thing that the Lord placed in our heart for Pursuit Church and all of its people this year uh, was that we, we, you know, maybe we need to lose a few pounds and, and maybe there's some money that we can save and maybe there's some financial goals and maybe there's some things that we could change and do, but that, that this year as a church, um, as, as, as the people of pursuit, this house, that we were going to transform all of our goals and our resolutions from the temporary things to the eternal things of God this year. That we, we chose that our heart and our mind, our desire is that we will allow God to work through us so much this year that the enemy himself will recognize pursuit church and all of its people as a threat to his kingdom. That we will get marked for God, that, we, that he will be afraid of us, fear of us. And when they get together at the end of 2017 and they have their 2018 strategy meeting and they say, who, who are the people we got to look out for? Who are the people that are allowing God to use? Who are the people that are doing great things for God? That we are public enemy number one, that we are at the top of the list. And that's what we want to do this year. We want to transform all of our, transfer all of our, our goals, our resolutions from the temporary things to the eternal things and allow God to do great things in us this year. And that, that, that's why we go with the third message this week. If it's your first time here, thank you so much for being here. Um, uh, God has just been moving powerfully um, in this house. God's just doing some crazy stuff, and, and I don't expect anything different from today. But one thing uh, this week, is, is, as I was preparing for this message, there is a, something I have always loved. I've always loved it. I've always loved games like this. I've always loved thinking like this. And it's been one of my favorite words. Even before I really knew what it mean, I just thought it was like a really cool word. And that word is strategy. Strategy. I love strategic games. I don't like games where they don't have winners because I don't see the point. I don't understand. Everybody's like, well, we're here to have fun. Winning is fun. That's why you play games. Only people who don't win on a regular basis have that mentality. It's just about having fun. That's how I know whether or not you're good at the game that we're about to play. If you make a speech at the beginning of it and say, guys, we're just here to have fun and hang out and fellowship, I know you're fighting for second. Like I just immediately know, not concerned about you, not worried about you. The guy that's down at the end of the corner not speaking, analyzing what's going on, that's the threat. All right? That's the guy who's playing the win. 
So uh, strategy has just been one of those things. There's strategy in all, all forms of life. Uh, there should be strategy in all forms of life. Strategy and, and plans and goals and, and follow-through and, and the way that we plan our finances and the way that we do our families and the way that we even do church and, uh, and the way that we, we, we do our jobs and our careers and all kinds of things. And this is not strategy and planning is not something. As boring as that may sound to some people, it's actually an amazing thing. And this is one of the characteristics and traits of God that we don't really talk about that much, but it is an extremely important trait to understand that God is a very strategic God. God is a God who knows what's up. He's not just kind of chilling out in heaven, rolling the dice, you know, yeah, I think I'll move him over here, and I think I'll do that, and that looks good. Here, here, rain there. I mean, he's not, he's not an accident God, right? It's not, it, stuff doesn't happen, and he goes, oh, man, I didn't see that coming. You know, unlike some of the things that happen in this church, some of our people will come up to us and they will be like, man, that was the greatest idea. You guys must have thought about that forever. And I'm just like, I don't, honestly, I don't even know how that happened. Like we just, we were joking around one day and, and then we just said a thing and then it became a thing. And even though we might not even recognize it in the moment, God uses us in spite of us. Remember the time he made a, a donkey talk? That's how I'm able to be a preacher. All right. God is so strategic. He has so many great plans that sometimes they're above us. Sometimes we don't even recognize them. Sometimes we don't even realize that we're a part of them, but we are. We don't even get that. So a lot of times we're waiting on, on, on the plan or we're waiting on the strategy or we're waiting on the thing, but we're already a part of it and we're already living it out and we don't even realize it. God's a very strategic God. You can see that from Genesis to Revelations. You can see that he's always had a plan. Over and over, how many scriptures do we see where God says, I knew your name while you were in the womb. I, I started to create you and, and work on you and form you for what I had planned for you before you were even born. How many times did he say in the famous Jeremiah 29, I know the plans that I have for you. Talking about Israel. The point was he had thoughts. He had plans. He knew the direction things were going. He knew there was an end point. It wasn't, he wasn't just playing the play. It, it, there was a strategy. There was an end goal. That we're all headed to a certain place. And over and over and over again, this is communicated through the Spirit of God to people. Hoping one day I can just see God. Why don't you guys get this yet? How many different ways can I show you? How many different ways can I say it? How many different sentences and arrangements do I have to put throughout the script? How many ways can I continually confirm to you that I have a plan, that I have a strategy, that you're a part of it, that you're not here by accident, and that we're headed somewhere, we're all going to the same direction? Now, you may go wide left, and I may go wide right, but at the end of the day, we're going to wind up at the same exact place. Ultimately, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess what? Jesus Christ is Lord. And we may do it different. And the, 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 the piece of the plan that you're part of may be different than the piece of the plan that I'm a part of. And the piece of the plan that I'm a part of may be different than the piece of the plan that you're a part of. But there's a plan. And there's, this isn't more, any more clear in Ephesians. Chapter 2, verse 8. And I want you to, if you have your Bibles, I want you to flip there. And I just want to read this really fast. It's 8, 9, and 10. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. Listen to this. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. 
For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This is the thing that I want you to understand about you. You are not an accident. Everything about you is on purpose. There's not a single part of your life that isn't there for a specific reason. Even the ones that you consider weaknesses, even the things that you think you're not good at, even the, even the, the lowly parts of our lives, the parts that we don't talk about, the parts that we're not proud of, even, even the, the thinning hair, right? It's just one of the things I'm insecure about right now. Right? The, the, the things that we're really, really good at, the things that we're not good at, all of our strengths and all of our weaknesses, every single thing in your life God spent time on, working on, and forming long before anybody ever knew your name. You're his masterpiece. You're, 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 you're his project. He, he tell, he's formed you, and you are who you are, and there's nobody else like you. Some people just said, thank God there's nobody else like you. Why were you clapping? They're like, thank God there's only one of you. Thank Thank you, Jesus. There's only one of you. I, I, I'm, I was the, I'm the oldest of five. At some point, I'm sure my father got down on his hands and his knees and said, thank you, but just the one will do. Let's go a different direction with the other four. But there's, there's only you. There's nobody else like you. And it's important for you to understand this because there are, there are things that you can do that nobody else can do. There's people that you can reach that nobody else can reach. There are things that you're going to accomplish in this life that nobody else can accomplish. And there's things that are not going to take place in this life if you don't do them. You've been put here for a reason. And this is something God prepared way in advance, which means that you are positioned in the strategy of God very, very, very strategically and very, very, very on purpose. That if you are here this morning, that means that you are at a certain time, at a certain place, for a certain reason. That God has positioned you right where you are. Now, you may not think that. So you may not think that because you may think, man, I'm a little too young or I'm a little too old or life's kind of passed me by or, or what can I really do? You know, I work at a gas station or I'm a, I'm a guy at Lowe's or I'm a real estate agent. Now, what, what, what does that really have to do with the kingdom of God? And, 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 and I'm just, I'm kind of new to this church thing. I'm kind of new to this God thing. And I don't really understand. I thought the whole thing about Christianity was just coming. I mean to church on Sundays, I do that. What, you mean there's this other thing? Yeah, it's called your entire life's purpose. And it's found in Christ. And we're all headed to the same, we're all headed to the same direction. We're all headed to the same thing. And there's two primary ends to this thing. There, you are positioned for two primary purposes. And I, I want to be very specific and I want to be very, very, very clear that you understand this about your life. Your life, no matter who you are, no matter how, how wealthy you are, how poor you are, how black, white, yet or red or yellow you are, um, how, 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 how attractive you are, or maybe not so attractive you are, and no matter where you are, what side of the tracks you grew up on, no matter how, it doesn't matter who you are, you are positioned for two very, very, very specific reasons. Number one, for God to gain glory from your life. For God to gain glory from your life. That's why this entire universe exists. So that the God who created it will reap glory from its inhabitants. 
God receives glory. God receives honor. God receives credit. God receives worship. God receives praise from your life. That is ultimately the end of why you were created, so that God will reap glory from your life. And the reason we find so much dissatisfaction in this life is because we think that it lies in so many other things. And, and what we don't understand is that the happiest we'll ever be, the most satisfied we'll ever be, the most peace we'll ever experience, the best life can be will be found in those seasons when we come to the acknowledgement and understanding that everything that we live for is for ultimately the glory of God. Everything. Everything. Second to that, it is for the expansion of the church, the big C church. It, it is the, it's the expansion of those souls that come to know true life in Jesus Christ. It's the expansion of the church. The last thing Christ ever said, the last command that he ever gave, the battle cry was go into all the world and make disciples, make followers of Christ, lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then teach them all things. Ultimately, these are two things that will come from your purpose in this life. God will reap glory and others will come to know him through your life. If God is not reaping glory from your life and others are not coming to know Jesus through your life, then you are living alternate to the purpose that God created you for. And there is something extremely wrong in your heart, in your mind, in the direction that you're going. God reaps glory from your life. And people who are lost become found in him through you. At all times, God wants to do three things in your life. He wants to do something for you. He wants to do something in you. And he wants to do something through you. At all times, if God isn't doing something for you, and he's not doing something in you, and he's not doing something through you, then there is something, something is wrong. And I want to be clear here because... I don't want you to feel judged, and I don't want you to feel like, well, you know what? I'm just never going to be a preacher. Preacher? I'm just never going to be able to do That's just not who I am. That's just not. I'm a business owner, and I'm a this guy, and I, I do this, and I'm a teacher, and, and I sell real estate, and I got this business, and I do this, and I, and I own gas stations, and I, and, I, and I work here, and I'm an artist, and, I'm, and I, I do this, and I'm a millennial, so I'm not going to have a job, but I'll be a millionaire in my 30s. <laughs> It'll just happen. I'm just convinced of it. And if it doesn't, it's your fault. Oh, sorry. I, I, don't, I don't know where that came from. I own a coffee shop. I do graphics. You know, whatever it is, I'm telling you, that's not the problem. What you do is not the problem. What you do is not the problem. And this is the thing I, I want you to be very convinced of today that you are positioned right where God wants you to be positioned. And the problem is not your career. The problem is not the job that you have. The problem is not the ability or the talents that you think don't coincide with God reaping glory. 
and the expansion of the church. It's not that. It's not that. The position doesn't change. God has placed you where you are, and that doesn't change. I want to remind us really fast. Do you remember in the Old Testament in Exodus with Moses? He's walking out in the desert, and he's standing there. And, and the Bible says that he's just, he's just standing there. He's just walking along, and that he, he's standing in this one place. And then he kind of sees to his right, he sees like there's this, there's this bush that's on fire. You remember that? Okay. I don't think he did any drugs before that. You can never be too sure, but I don't think so. But he's standing there, and, and this, this is something that spoke to me years and years and years ago about the situation, is that he's standing here, and it's just, he's just in the desert, he's on the ground, nothing changes. But the Bible says that when he turns the direction, he turns his, his mind, he turns his sight to the bush and recognizes that God is in the bush, the Bible says immediately God speaks from the bush, and he says, where you're standing is holy ground, take off your shoes. And I want, I want to point this out to you, that nothing about his position changed. Same sand, same desert, same bush, same wind blowing, same bugs flying, atmosphere was the same, environment was the same, but when his heart and his mind shifted to the recognition of God, immediately his position became holy. Does that make sense? So it's not, you're not in the wrong position, you're not in the wrong job, you're not in the wrong place, you're exactly where you're supposed to be at this season of your life right now. See, God's so great a God that he can put you in the right place without you even realizing you're in the right place. But it's when you turn your heart and your mind to the recognition of God's greatness in that moment that he will take that position that doesn't make any sense to you and all of a sudden make it a holy position to where you begin to do great and mighty things for God. It's a heart, it's a heart change, not a position change. I can't tell you how many times I talk to people and they say, I just feel like God wants me to move. I've just, I've been in the secret place and I've been in the word of God and I've just been talking and studying and there's just this ultimate desire for me to be used by God and I know that I've been built for great things and so I'm going to quit my job and, I, and I'm going to go do this and I'm going to go do this big thing and I'm just waiting on God to bless me with a million dollars so that I can go change the world and do great and mighty things. Well, it seems to me that God may have some plans for you right now, right in the moment where you are. Those great and those mighty things, I believe in what I call pinnacles. Pinnacles, high seasons, high times. The, the, the tip of your purpose, the highest, the seasons of the high, where you, you, you finally get to that, to that thing, I believe in that. But those things don't happen today. You right now are exactly where you're supposed to be. It's a change of heart. See, when Solomon said it, he said it like this. He said, in all things that you do, in everything that you do, commit everything you have to the Lord, and he'll bring success to you right where you are. You remember that? Did it say, you know, sell all your possessions? Now, the Bible does say that sometimes God may ask us to do that, but it doesn't command us to do that. You know, sell everything and, and, and sacrifice everything and go to Africa and, and serve, serve in, the, in the jungles of Africa and the jungles of Asia and, and just keep going until you run across somebody that's afraid of you and kills you and you'll be a martyr and that's how, and just go do that great thing. No, he said, whatever you're doing right now, you're a janitor, commit it to God for his glory. You work at a gas station, commit it to God for his glory. You're a teacher, commit it to God for his glory. You're a business owner, commit it to God for his glory. Commit your marriage to God for his glory. You're in school, commit it 
Commit that time. Commit that talent. Commit that ability. Commit it. Bring it to God and say, God, I recognize that right here, right now, you may want to change me. You may want to take me. You may want to go other places, but right now, I'm right here, right now in this moment, and right now in this moment, I want to serve you and honor you and give you glory and give you honor. And so right now in this moment, I commit everything I have, everything I am to you and for your glory. God, begin to use me right now in this moment. Paul says it like this in, 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 in Corinthians. He says, whether you eat, whether you drink, or whatever you do, what? Do it all for the glory of God. Whether you eat or you drink or whatever you do, whatever you do, sell real estate for the glory of God. Teach for the glory of God. Build houses for the glory of God. Play basketball for the glory of God. Go fishing for the glory of God. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, I just felt the Lord speak to me in that. God, I will commit one day a week to just fishing for your glory. Amen. God's good. Courtney just happened to walk in in that one moment. Told you God has a unique plan. You are positioned where you are on purpose. Don't wait for something greater later or you'll miss the greatness of right now. God has positioned you uniquely. You can reach people that I will never speak to. There will be people, you can influence people that may never step foot in this church. You can do things, you were born to do things that nobody else can do right now in this moment. There's two things that that I want to share with you today. And I just want to transfer just for a minute. I want to look at the life of David just for a second. Because I want, I want to, there's, there's two reasons why I think that, that people ultimately miss those great moments with God where he reaps the most glory and the church expands greatly, where, where people get found in him through you. I, I think that, that ultimately it's because of this right here. And, and I, I don't know another way to say it, so I'll just say it like this. It's because for many, 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 many people, they are too good to do the little things. They're too good to do the little things. They're too good to serve in the little ways. Dude, don't you know that I've been called to change the world? Don't you, don't you understand how lucky you are that I come to your church? Dude, don't you understand? Are you just thanking God that I walk through the door? Dude, I'm changing the world, man. Hey, will you, will you uh, be an usher for us? We, we really have a spot filled. No, dude, I'm, I'm not changing the world. Changing the world. Waiting on my moment. Just waiting on my moment. Going to change the world. Built, built for greatness. Built for greatness. Let me tell you something about greatness. So there was a great man in the Bible called King David. Now, King David uh, did more in his lifetime than just about every single person in this room put together will do in the greatest of lives that we live. David did things that historians and and leaders look back on and study his life because he was able to do things that are inexplicit, unexplainable. He was able to to rise literally from nothing, for one thing, take over an extremely, extremely weak and divided nation, Unite that nation together under one rule. And then in, a, and in one lifetime became a no-name annoyance 
to a worldwide empire and one of the strongest kingdoms on the face of the earth in one lifetime. Now, that's greatness. And he did a whole bunch of other stuff. That's greatness. But David, David didn't start off in greatness. David started off as a reject by the truest definition of the word. David was a shepherd. And I know that we kind of have a positive spin on shepherds today, but being a shepherd, if you were a shepherd in that day, then you know three things about your life. Nobody believes in you. You're probably not going to have very many friends. And you're going to smell like sheep for your entire life. You're just going to smell horrible. And when David, he was the youngest of his family, and, and all the other brothers, they, they, were, they were given big responsibilities, and they were given big things, and they were being trained to take over the, that, their, their little piece of the puzzle. But, and, 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 and God started doing this thing in Israel, and he rejected King Saul, and he said, I'm going to raise up another king behind Saul. And he goes to Samuel, the prophet, and he says, Samuel, I want you to go to the house of Jesse, because they, Jesse has some sons, and one of those sons are going to be king. And I want you to go to Jesse, and I want you to tell him to bring the sons before you, and I'm going to show them, I'm gonna, and I'm going to show you which one of them I'm an anoint for the next king of Israel. And so everybody knows the story. If you grew up in church at all, Jesse brings out all the sons except for one, the little shepherd boy, David, and Samuel goes through them one by one, and, and he sees one, and he's tall, and he's good looking, and he's handsome, and, 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 and he, you know, all of that, and he's like, man, surely this is the king, and surely this is the guy, and God says, I don't look at what you look at, I look at the heart of a man, and, and that's not him, and the next guy, that's not him, that's not him, that's not him, and he says, Jesse, man, wh where, you have any other sons, you got anybody, and he says, well, yeah, we got uh, the, the little reject out in the field with the sheep. But sure, I love him, but surely, surely he's not king, right? Maybe you got this thing wrong. He, go get him. So he brings him, and sure enough, this is the king. And he anoints him. He anoints David king. Now, now, just let's just, if I was the reject, and I was out with the sheep, and they brought me forward, and before all my brothers, I was anointed king, and they said, you're going to be the next king of Israel, and you're going to be the leaders of your father and the leaders of your brother, guess who's probably not going back to the sheep? This arrogant fool. Because I'm like, dude, I'm king, guys. What's up? I'm the king. What'd David do? He said, that's really cool. Got some sheep to take care of. See you guys. Walks back to the sheep. Why? Because he had this, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God mentality. He had a bias towards action. Right now, whatever it is, I'm going to be honored. I'm going to be honorable in it. I'm going to be faithful in it. I'm going to be faithful with the small things. I'm going to do the small things. My father's asked me to take care of the sheep, so I'm going to take care of the sheep until the next responsibility, until the next thing that comes up. He goes out and he takes care of the sheep. I'm going to tell you something about, about, about David. So David's out in the sheep. He's on, even after being anointed king, he's on. And when he, he begins to, to, to have opportunities kind of come up in his life, and everybody knows, if, if there's any, even if you didn't grow up in church, everybody's heard of David and Goliath. And the reason why David and Goliath, well, one, David killed a giant, which is always pretty cool, but this was a huge moment in David's life. This was the moment where three very significant things happened for David. One, he killed the giant, and this propelled him to the national stage. In one moment, one fling of the rock and one, one decapitation with a sword, David was famous in all the land. Both the Philistines feared him, and the Israelites loved him. 
He was, his platform, his influence was immediately expanded. He became a shepherd boy and a general all in that one moment. It was a huge moment for David. It was a huge opportunity for David, and it shot him up on the national scene. And it was his first step toward, his first real step towards that being king that, that uh, Samuel told him about uh, several years before. The second thing was it put him in the house of Saul forever because he married one of his daughters. It was a huge step. Now he's part of the palace. Now he's a prince. Now he's, he's, he's in there. He's made it in. This was a huge moment in David's life. Huge moment in David's life. Third, he was promoted. He was given an entire army to lead. He was, he was given responsibilities beyond his wildest imaginations, all because of this one moment, this one opportunity that he was able to take advantage of. But do you know why he had this opportunity that propelled him to the national stage, that, that put him up in this? Do you know why he had this opportunity? Because he was hanging out with the sheep. And his father came to, to the future king. He said, hey, I want to I take you off the sheep for a minute. I got a big job for you. I got some cheese and some bread in this basket. I know you're going to be king one day, but, but if you just take some time off the sheep and be a good little errand boy and run this to your brothers while they're out there fighting war, being, being, being big boys. Will you just do that for me, little King David? I'm the king. I don't need to be an errand boy. I don't have time for this. I'm going to be king. I need to be out there sharpening my sword. I need to be out there doing stuff. Give me a big project. Give me a big, give me a big thing to do. I'm going to do something huge. For, I'm, I'm going to be the king. No, he said, yes, Father. That's what you want me to do. I'll do that thing. So he takes the cheese, he takes the bread, and he goes, and he, good little Aaron boy. And when he goes honoring his father and honoring God and everything that he did, it was in this moment that he heard the giant bad-mouthing his God. And it was in this moment that this opportunity opened up. And so he came to his brother, he came to the people and he said, what, what, why has nobody gone out and killed this fool? Out there running his mouth. And they're like, I'm, it says David was, was little and ruddy. I don't know really what that means, but I imagine him out to be a huge guy. Probably like, I don't know, 5'10 with boots on. Maybe like a thin beard. Maybe hair was thinning just a little bit. I don't know. But he starts going around and, and people are looking at him. And his brothers hear him and they get mad at him. They get mad at him. And they're like, you're just out here just stirring up trouble. Who do you think you are? He could have said, I'm the king. What do you think? You were there. He just ignored it. And finally, he got word to Saul that there's this, there's this ruddy little boy running around looking to kill this giant. They bring him in front of Saul, and he says, what, what are you doing, David? Don't you play the harp? Aren't you a shepherd? You have some sheep to tend to? He says, you're not qualified. You don't, you don't have it. You don't, you don't have what it takes. And this is the response. This is the response. This is David's response. I love this. Because I, I want you to see the power in this, the power in your present position. I want you to see the power in this. This is what David said to, to Saul's uh, uh, rejection of, of him going out and killing the giant. He says, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. Remember the thing that he stayed faithful to even when he was going to change the world and be great and mighty? Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. 
The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. Saul said, go, David. Go, the Lord be with you. I want you to recognize something about the situation. And this is something, if you don't hear anything else, I want you to hear this because I believe with all of my heart, all of my heart, you are truly called to change the world. With all of my heart that you were truly born for greatness. I believe that every single person in this room that God created, because God created them, they have a potential for greatness. I believe that with every ounce of who I am. But the vast majority of people miss it, and they miss it because they're too good for smaller opportunities. They're too good to honor God in everything. They're too good. They don't have time for it. They're chasing other things. And this is the thing that I want you to recognize about the way that God works in people's lives. Giant opportunities grow out of sheep responsibilities. You will miss those opportunities that will expand your influence. You will miss those opportunities for God to bless you. You will miss those opportunities for you to start your path to greatness. You will miss them because you're either too good for or you don't have time for or you don't value honoring God in the little things. It's the small things. It's the serving God right here and the right now that develops you for later, that develops you for what's next. If he had been too good, if he had been arrogant, if he had been, he's going to change the world, and Father, I don't need to honor you anymore, and I don't need to be faithful in the, my sheep responsibilities. I don't need to be faithful. I'm not an errand boy. I'm too good to serve. I'm too good to do that. I, I, can't, I don't have time. I'm, I'm, too, I'm doing this. I'm doing that. He would have missed two things. He would have missed his development and being prepared to be able to fight the giant. It was the defending of the sheep to the lion and the bear that prepared him to defend God's sheep to the giant. It's the little responsibilities that develop you for the greater responsibilities. The ones that are too good for God now won't be ready for God's greatness later. I promise you. Arrogance is the greatest deception of mankind. The enemy wants to do everything in your life to prevent you from honoring him and everything that you do right now where you are. He wants you to keep saying, oh, something bigger's coming. I'm ready for something bigger. I'm just going to wait till later, just not right now. I'm, just, I'm too young or I'm too old. It's passed me by. I've got this job. I've got this career. I've I got kids. I, I love, I love, and I, now I can really say it's because people are like, well, you don't know what it is to raise a family. Well, I'm starting to learn how my life is busy as I'll ever get out, but I still clean bathrooms. I still do the little things. I still believe that God wants to use me right now in this moment to change the world. There's every excuse in the book to not serve and honor God right now. And the enemy is behind every single one. In the words of the famous prophet Tim Tebow, every single excuse is a small, small truth wrapped in a whole bunch of lies. The biggest reason most of us will never become a threat to the enemy because the enemy will convince us to bypass the smaller responsibilities. Because it's in these smaller responsibilities that we develop for the greater things later. And it's out of these smaller responsibilities that the giant opportunities grow out of. I was 16 years old when God, I, I felt in my heart that God was calling me to be a preacher. I knew it just as I knew, I mean, just as sure as I knew anything else in the whole world. I knew, I knew that I was going to be a preacher. I just knew it. 
Didn't know what it looked like, had no clue, but I just knew in my heart that's what I was called to do. Do you know the first, the first ministry that I ever committed to, to doing? It was two weeks after this. Do you know what it was? I ran a video camera, just like the one we have back there. I climbed up in the booth every week. It was really hot. And I sat in it. I put earphones on my head, and I followed the preacher. Why? Because there was a woman who saw me down at the altar give my heart to the Lord. And when I came back, you know what she said to me? She goes, it's, t- it's time to serve. I was like, I just got saved. I don't even know what's happening. She was like, be here next week at 9. You're going to be a cameraman. All right. Cool. Let's do it. So I did it. The next little, the next little opportunity I had, I was, and I was, I, at this point, I was just begging to do anything. And they were like, okay, I swear on my life. That, he, goes, he goes, all right, well, nobody really wants to do anything with the kids. You can do that on Wednesdays if you want to. All right, cool. So I got all these little kids in this room. I, people made fun of me. Got all these little kids in this room, small room. It's like one by one. It was very small. <laughs> Had like seven kids. Like two of them were the preacher's kids. They already knew Jesus. So I had five kids, seven kids, sitting here. Turned all the lights off. Even then, I believed in environment and atmosphere. Turned on, I had a boom box about this big, little boom box, and I put a Chris Tomlin CD in there. I shut it. I turned off all the lights. He sent for two lamps in the back overlooking the crowd. Terrifying atmosphere. Very dark. Turned on the music, and I started to to preach in the gospel because I didn't know anything else about the Bible. And I just started telling them about Jesus. I was yelling at them. See, little kids, they're like 10. First ones I'm yelling at. Somebody, I'm so loud at some point, I guess, somebody knocks on the door and walks in, sticks their head and goes, everybody all right? I'm like, yeah, dude, get out of here. I'm changing the world. I'm saying, I'm preaching my heart out. The pastor's kid who got saved 49 times before that gave his heart to the Lord that night again. The first time I got to preach, I went up, and I, I'll never forget this. I went up, and, and it was a, there was this look, there was a little stage, and, 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 and dude, it was the worst thing you have ever heard in your entire, I mean, it was, it was worse, it was the worst thing. You think you've heard me preach bad messages? You have no idea. Worst, me- I mean, it was theologically wrong. I mean, I, I th- I'm pretty sure it was the Bible I was using, but it was just, it was just horrible. And this woman, probably the most godliest woman, and I gave an altar call because back then you just gave altar calls at the end of everything, just everything, preaching on, you know, whatever. Now come get saved. Every, all the sermon then was just a waste of time so I could get to the altar call. So I give this altar call to a church, and there's like, I don't know, 19 people in there, and they're all average age of like 90. And the holiest woman I've ever met in my life come down to get saved that night to make me feel better. She comes down, and she was like, that was just, that was powerful. Just felt like I needed to come renew, renew my life in Jesus. Thank you. And I'm like, I immediately felt horrible. I was just like, she didn't need to get saved. <laughs> Went to Ohio. First thing, the first, I got up there, and I had big aspirations. I did, and I was like, I'm going to do this, and, there's, and I'm going to do this. And they come to me, and they're like, we got an opportunity. We've been keeping our eye on you, is what the guy said. We're keeping our eye on you, and we just see you, just see you, hard work, and this, we just got a big opportunity for you. And I'm like, here it is. This is it. This is the one. This is the pinnacle. He goes, so the guy that, that, that was over cleaning all the bathrooms in the church, 
he's sick right now, so we need you to take that over, and there's nobody on your team, and there's 19 bathrooms. So every morning, every morning, I went and cleaned the bathroom before I went and did the other stuff. Clean the bathroom, every, two or three bathrooms every day to get all 19 done from week to week. And I loved every second of it. And, and, and there was this one other time, and it made me so mad because they asked me to come be a part of this conference. And I, and at first I wound up getting to speak at it, but I, I thought they, they're inviting me to come stay know that I'm a preacher, and apparently they heard me, and I'm awesome, so it's going to be great. And so I get there, and I'm in the meeting, and I walk in. I remember being so proud. I, I walked in, and I was like, this is, I'm going to get to do the thing. I'm going to do it. This is going to be awesome. This is going to be it. And they start going around, and then I realized quickly, and they're like, and Jordan, here's what we want you to do. We want you to drive around and tell people we're having a conference and see if you can raise us $5,000. I'm like, what? That's not spiritual. Dude, don't you know? Weren't you there? Dude, God told me I was going to be a preacher. That I need to preach. At the car, I need to preach. I need to preach. So I went mad. God, I remember getting in the car, driving mad. I was literally mad. I was like, because I, I had worked up in, you know, expectation gap. I, was, I thought this was going to be what it was, and I was just mad. And like, and I wish I could say, and I was like David, and I was going to be honorable to God and serving the good things and just be holy. And I was angry. My pride had been hit. And I'm like, I'm fine. I'm going to raise all this stupid money for these stupid people. <laughs> and there was a commercial on the radio. You've been coming here a while. I'm sure you hear this. And I was like, well, and there was a, they, they, they said the name of a business that, that supported financially than this radio station. I was like, well, that seems like a good place to start. So I'll just drive over there, see if he wants to give me some money. So I walk in, there's a marina down the road. I walk in, this is years ago, years ago, and I meet a man who I might add rejected me the first time. His name was Mark Kell. He's the ball-headed guy that prays <laughs> up here on stage. I think he prayed today. I walked in, I go through my whole spill. I'm like, dude, we're doing a conference. And at this point, I halfway believe that it's going to be good. Now that I'm not preaching, I wasn't sure. And I was like, you know, this is going to be good. This is going to be the thing. You know, give us some money. He looks me square in the eye, and he goes, is that like, a, like an adult I could talk to or anything? He was like, why don't you just come back next week? I think he didn't think I was going to come back, but I came back. That was the beginning of a, of a very important relationship in my life that ultimately led me to pastoring this church. And this is the thing that I, I want you to recognize about the way that God is going to work in your life. There are going to be moments where he is asking you to honor him and be faithful to him and the little things. And it's out of those faithful responsibilities and the little things that the greatest experiences and the greatest opportunities you will ever have in this life will be born out of those things. I promise you. I promise you. You will miss it if you are too good to serve if you're too good to be an usher, you're too good to pour into kids on Sunday, you're too good to help with the teens, you're, you're too good to be a part of the missions, you've done too much, you're too good, you don't have time, you're a busy person, you don't have time, you're too good. I promise you that mentality is going to cost you greatness in this life. What Jesus said, the first will be last, the last will be I want to read this one last scripture. Taylor, you can go ahead and come up here. I want to read this one last scripture to you. And this was a thing that, that, that hurt me when I first read it. And, when, and, and the, Lord, the, the word that the Lord just put in my heart as I read this. 
David was a young boy, 15, 12 to 15 range, when he was anointed king. When God spoke very clearly through Samuel and said, you're going to be the next king. And it's one scripture when, when, David, when David was officially made king and anointed. This is, just, this is just a scripture, and it's very, very just bland. I just want to, is it this? It says, David was 30 years old when he became king, and he reigned for 40 years. David was 30 years old when he became king, and he reigned for 40 years. For 30 years, God knew that he was going to reign for 40 For the first 30 years of his life, God knew what the second 40 were going to look like. God knew that the pinnacle of David's purpose was to be king of Israel. God knew that he would be one of the greatest warriors that ever walked the face of the earth. God knew that he would do things that they would write songs and stories about. God knew that people would look back on him as a legend. God knew that he would use him to unite Israel. God knew that he would use him to lead Israel to be one of the greatest kingdoms on the map. God knew that for the last 40 years of David's life that he would in every way, shape, and form rise to the height of power, rise to the height of his purpose, and accomplish great and mighty things. He knew that. And so he spent 30 years preparing David for that pinnacle season. And I'm going to leave the now because right now in this moment when you leave here, you need to go out into that world and you need to commit every action, every job, every word, every conversation to the glory of God. And you need to be faithful in the small things. You need to be faithful in the small responsibilities. You need to serve. You need to invite. You need to get engaged in the life of this church. You need to be a part of what God's doing. You need to honor God right now, in the now, right now. Don't hesitate. Serve God right now. Begin to work right now. But... But God knows what your pinnacle looks like. He knows what the height of your purpose looks like. He knows the, the, the depths of greatness that he's born. He, he gave birth to you for. He, he puts you on this earth for. He knows what level you can get to. He knows that it's past the stars. He knows what greatness is in your life. And so right now, and I know the younger you are, the harder this is to hear. Because I was there. I was 17 when I read this. I was 17 when the Lord put in my heart what I'm about to tell you. And it made me miserable for a while. Because God knows that in order for you to to reign as king for 40 years, there had to be 30 years of preparation. 30 years of learning to depend on God. 30 years of learning to fight lions and bears and giants. 30 years learning how to lead armies. 30 years learning how to honor the enemy. 30 years, 30 years of preparation. One long 30 year season of preparation that led to a 40 year season of pinnacle. A pinnacle of purpose, the height of purpose. So I want you to hear me because this is one of those statements that I want you to hold. I want it to go deep into your heart and your mind. And I want it to be something that continually comes back to you over the next 10 years and 15 years and 20 years. Every single day, whether you realize it or not, God is moving in your life. He is behind 
every small opportunity. He is behind every responsibility. He is behind every issue. He's behind every trial. He's behind every good season and bad season. He's behind every ounce of rejection. He's behind. There's nothing that you will face in this life that God is not right above you looking down on, preparing you for the greatness that he bore you for. There's not a door that he will allow you to go through that he's not going to use to shape you to be kings and queens in this life. I promise you, you will be rejected. People will not believe in you. People will badmouth you. And the more platforms you get and the more influence you get, the more the critics will come out. They will criticize you. They will try to tell you that you're wrong. They will try to tell you you weren't born for this. They'll try to tell you that you've had too many divorces. You've had too many sins. You, you're too broke. You're not good enough. You're not organized enough. They'll come in. They'll do everything in their power to convince you that you'll never reach your pinnacle. But what you need to do right now in this moment from this day forward is recognize that I'm the workmanship. I'm the masterpiece of God Almighty. He formed me in my mother's womb. He knew me before any of the world knew me. He gave me the responsibility and he gave me the skills to accomplish it. That I am my father's child and he is for me and no one can be against me. I will accomplish great and mighty things. I will walk through a season of preparation and in this life I will reach the pinnacle and people will hate me along the way and criticize me along the way but I will keep my eyes down and be faithful today so that tomorrow God will reap glory, the church will expand and one day when I get to heaven and I bow my knee to God the only person that ever counts will look at me and say good, well done my good and faithful servant, live for Jesus Christ don't live for anybody else if you are faithful in the small things God will elevate you to the big things. If you're too good for the small things, you'll spend your whole life wondering why you missed it and it was your pride and your arrogance. The best thing some of you could do is run to this altar and ask God to forgive you for your pride. The best thing that you could do right now is run to this altar and begin to commit your business and commit your family and commit your small responsibilities to God. The best thing you could do when you walk out of this room is say, my position doesn't have to change, but my heart and my mind need to be shifted to the Lord because God's created me for great things and this is just normal land but when I turn my heart it becomes holy give every ounce of who you are to God he said be a living sacrifice you bring your sacrifice God will bring the fire I promise you you come willing to be used God will use you you come emptying yourself out God will fill you back up God's been changing the world long before you got here, and he'll be changing the Lord long after you leave. Let me have a, a, a recognition thing for you right now. God wins. The victory is ours. Doesn't matter the protest, doesn't matter the chaos, doesn't matter politics, doesn't matter the economy. Nothing affects the plans of an almighty God. He is King of kings, Lord of lords. It didn't matter with the last president, doesn't matter with this president, won't matter with the next. He is God almighty. He's a sovereign and a holy God. Serve him now. Honor him now. Give glory now. And watch what he does in your life.